Two weeks ago, Brother Dave brought a timely message titled, How Far Will It Take You? And Brother Dave made reference to two men who were deceived by the dark side of the internet. One young man lost his life, leaving a widow and two precious children, and the other one was physically incarcerated as a result of the spiritual bondage, if I understand correctly. There's some verses that came to my mind as I was hearing Brother Dave's message that I thought maybe I should use as a text this morning. And what I feel led to share with you is not a rebuttal, Brother Dave, to your sermon, but it's a reiteration of the sermon. The title of the message this morning is Filling the Void. The text verses that came to my mind were these, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. I would invite you there. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through the places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, and I'm reading from the NIV, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives... It finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. And as I look out over the audience this morning, I see a people who were once a part of another kingdom. Because according to 1 Peter 2, the Bible says that we have been caught out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's beautiful. That reminds me of a song. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and so happy in Jesus, His child and forever I am. And it's because of Him, dear people, I say, praise His holy name. And I submit to you this morning that your current position in Christ is a source of tremendous irritation to Satan. It throws him into a rage. And according to the text verses... Satan will do everything within his power to reclaim lost ground. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we know, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan has a target. We are targeted by Satan, and let's not forget it. The purpose or the burden of this morning's message, it's not enough to get rid of the evil in our lives, but it's imperative that we replace the evil with truth. Yes, it's important. Don't think that I'm not thinking we need to get rid of the evil, the sin. That is important. But it needs to be replaced. Removing the evil substance creates a void or a vacuum, if you will. And Ephesians 5 tells us what ingredients necessary to refill that void. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Brother Dave, I think your text was Galatians 5, 16 to 18 maybe. 
And that was that same thought, being filled with the Spirit. And so not only whether it's wine, I think we could substitute anything there for that word wine. It could be whatever evil substance that the world offers you. Take those, that evil away, but be filled with the Spirit. And for that to happen, we must be intentional and we must make an investment. The first point of the message is the estrangement of the heart. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As man moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And uh, you know the account there. These men, their desire was in opposition to God's command that he had made in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And these men said, let's settle down here and let's make a name for ourselves. And mankind soon lost connection, connection with their creator. In essence, they said, let's exalt ourselves. Let's exalt our abilities. And if you would allow me, if we could make a parallel in modern day history, men today might say something like this, come, let's build ourselves a God with our own hands that we can see. We will instill our own wisdom within this being and we will progress beyond any people's that ever inhabited the earth. And the men, they sat down and they created a God. They created Google. And don't think that I'm totally against technology, because I'm not. But as, we, as you think about the tragic people that Brother Dave referred to in the beginning of his sermon last two weeks ago, We need to be very careful of how we use the technology. I'm not against technology, but we must be aware of the danger. And that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. Why is this God of Google so appealing? Seemingly, Google is omniscient because it can answer any question that you have. Google seems to be omnipresent. All you have to do, it's always present, all you have to do is pull it out of your pocket and you have it available to you. And Google seems to be omnipotent or all-powerful. The full scope of its power is unknown. And why do I share this with you? I know of too many cases today where individuals who once made a commitment to Jesus Christ, they have left their first love and they're far from their initial Commitment, and I ask you why. Satan came back to reclaim lost territory, and he offered people deceptive goods that will never satisfy. What is it about curiosity that is so appealing? Why is curiosity so dangerous? 
Romans chapter 16, verse 9b says, Romans chapter 16, I think I must have a wrong reference. Romans 16, 19. Maybe I don't. The Bible tells us that we are to be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Yeah, it is. It's 16, verse 19. I'm not sure what I told you. Matthew, I'm sorry, Romans 16, 19b God's word says, we are to be wise unto that which is good, but we are to be simple concerning evil. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people that, well, I just want to know a little bit more about it. It's just appealing. It's intriguing. I'd like to know a little more. And they are incrementally taking down these these steps away from, from God's word and And they want to know the details of people's lives or whatever, and it's intriguing. God's word says that we are to be simple toward those things that are evil. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 9 to 12, reads this way. Ephesians 9, Ephesians 5, verses 9 to 12. For the fruit of spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And if I stumble a little bit reading this, there is a little reason why. I love my Bible, and it's getting old. And there's some pages that have tore a little bit, and I've tried to tape them back in properly, and stuff is a little bit misaligned. So... I'll do my best. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are re- that, but all things that are removed are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I am struggling. <laughs> See then that ye walk circumspectly, that ye not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't have to know all the details of people's lives or the things that's going on in the world. Let's be careful, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I kind of like to move a little bit away from thinking about the technology and to think about those verses, those text verses. The second point of the message is the concession of the heart. And I would ask you, is this a true statement? Every one of us here this morning are conceding greater control of our heart either to Jesus Christ or to Satan. Is that true? You and I are either surrendering or submitting 
greater levels of allegiance to Christ's lordship or because of neglect, we are surrendering more territory to Satan's control. Maybe that's a little strong. If you want to take me to task after the sermon, you're welcome to do that. I'd like to share some biblical examples of concession, both positive and negative, and move through these fairly quickly. Uh, If you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 5 and the demon-possessed man of Gadara. Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to read all these verses because you know the account well. What is it about this man? Did he concede areas of his heart? Mark chapter 5. What are some things that we know about him? Number one, he lived in the graveyard. Number two, he did not wear any clothes. And I think that's brought out in another uh, one of the Gospels. Number three, he was impossible to control. They tried to, but they couldn't. And notice the demons that were unsettled when they were driven from human residency. When Jesus delivered this man or cast out the, the demons... They were unsettled, and they didn't know what to do, and they sought to live somewhere else. Anyway, they went out, and they looked for residence, looked for rest, and they couldn't find any. But I was impressed and blessed as I thought about this man, of his concessions of his heart, and I believe they were positive. Number one in verse 6 you see that he saw Jesus. Secondly, he ran to him. Thirdly, he worshipped him. Fourthly, he recognized Jesus' authority. And in verse 15, the legion, he surrendered to Jesus' physical and spiritual touch. And in verse 20, he surrendered to Jesus' authority. Because he asked Jesus, when Jesus went to leave, he said, Can I follow you? I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, he said, you go back and you tell your friends what the good things that the Lord has done for you. And so there's, a, there's about six things right there real quickly that he had concessions of his heart. He surrendered more and more areas of his heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful account. Second one I'd like to consider is Mary Magdalene. Let's look at Luke chapter 8 verses 1 to 5. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing of the good tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. So Mary Magdalene, I guess we don't have a lot about this account, but Jesus threw, cast out seven demons from her life. And think about the text verses that we had there in Matthew in relation to these stories. Jesus gave this woman, Mary Magdalene, a special task. John chapter 15, verses, John chapter 20, verses 15 to 17. This woman conceded areas of her her heart, and Jesus gave her a task. John chapter 20, verses 15 to 17, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? 
Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, into my God and your God. It's beautiful wording there that Jesus, he gave this woman the task. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And I'll stop there. Verse 18. I believe that Mary Magdalene conceded more and more of her heart and her life to Jesus. Mary was being in the process of being filled with the Spirit. We're talking about filling the void this morning and making sure that we're not just leaving unoccupied areas of our heart for Satan to come back and to tempt tempt us away. Mary Magdalene, she was in the process of being filled with the Spirit. And I believe because of her decision to seek Christ and follow Him, there was no room for those seven devils to come back and to re-inhabit their former dwelling, which was within her life and her heart. The next one I'd like to consider is Simon the Sorcerer, Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 20. And I'm not going to read this, this whole passage. You know Simon the Sorcerer, how he came and he heard God's message and he was converted in verse 13. But I believe his heart was not fully cleansed. Now this is a negative person, a person who negatively conceded areas of their heart. It seemed that Simon's heart was not fully cleansed. It does say he was converted, verse 13. And it seems Simon sought to usurp the glory due the Lord Jesus and to claim it for himself. And Peter reprimanded him harshly. Simon's repentance seems to be only superficial. He was not filled with the Spirit, and likely it seems he gave place to the demons' access into the former dwelling. Now, I might be wrong. It says he prayed, don't let these things happen to me. And I don't know, maybe you do, the end result of the life of Simon the sorcerer. But evidently, there was areas in his heart that were not right, and he conceded. He didn't understand God's message and he didn't understand the power of the gospel. And so this was a negative, a person who negatively conceded area probably to Satan himself. Fourthly, there's a two men that's referred to in 3 John verses 9 to 12. I think I'm going to go ahead and read that one. 3 John verses 9 to 12. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, that which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Behold, let's see. Behold, beloved, 
Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And then we go into Demetrius. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. Just because a person is a church member, does that mean everything is right in the heart? Not necessarily. And we have this account here in Diotrephes. He was a, not only a member of the church, he was a church leader. And I'm assuming from what he was doing here, he was a bishop in the church. Number one, he loved recognition. Number two, he loved the last word. And number three, he wouldn't appreciate the gifts of the other leaders that they brought to the table. And fourthly, he was intentionally uncooperative. This was a man, it seems to me, who was conceding areas of his, in his heart. Yes, he was a church leader. He was in the church. And yet there were some areas that he had neglected and some areas of, in his heart that he had conceded that were wrong. Diotrephes left room in his heart that was unoccupied by the Spirit of God. And sin, it seems to me that sin was reclaiming neglected territory. You can tell me what you think if I'm not reading it correctly. On the other hand, you have Demetrius. Number one, he had a godly reputation not only among men, but of God, God Himself, of truth. Thirdly, he was a tremendous blessing to the church. Demetrius was filled with the Spirit, and his goal was not to bring recognition to himself, but his goal was to bring recognition to his Redeemer. What's your goal? He wanted to bring recognition to the one who had redeemed his life. So what is your testimony? The last one I'd like to consider of those men, people that were conceding areas of their heart was Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 to 20. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which the evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and a chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And notice what happened in verse 18. And many that believed came, and they confessed, and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together, and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. I'm trying to think what it said in one of the other versions. Um, drachmas, I'm not sure. But what was the result when these people came forward? So mightily grew the word of God 
and prevailed there in verse 20. When this evil spirit jumped on the seven sons of Sceva, he overpowered overpowered all seven of them and beat them. And fear, fear fell on the believers and they brought their magic books. And I don't know if I calculated right or not. I tried to calculate this 50,000 pieces of silver. I think the silver was to be one day's wages. And if we would calculate $100 a day, they brought books that were valued, what, 13 or $14 million and burned them and they all went up in smoke. Why? Because God was working in the heart. These people were conceding areas that were wrong. And they conceded this area to the Lord Jesus. And he filled their hearts. And because of the repentance and what was the results, there was a great revival that broke out. God's spirit was at work. Last point of the message We looked at the estrangement of the heart, and we looked at the concession of the heart. Now I'd like to consider briefly the feeling of the heart. How can you and I be assured, how can we be assured that our hearts are being filled with good things? Very quickly, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Brother Dave, if you'll allow me to use your text once again. We need to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter... 5 verses 16 to 18. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So we need to be walking in the Spirit. Secondly, we need to renew our commitments daily. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 37. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 37. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, Jesus said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall a man, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? So we need to be renewing our commitments daily. And thirdly, we need to be living a sacrificial life. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And one more from Ephesians 5. This is redeeming the time. I read that a while ago already, that we need to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. And brothers and sisters, as I think about some of those accounts At the first part of the message, we need to be redeeming the time and let's not let curiosity and the things of the world grab a hold us to the point where uh, we have some time to kill. So we'll pull out our phone or our technology or we can be involved in other things that would drag us down. Let's be careful. Let's make sure that we are redeeming the time.
because the days are evil. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, according to Acts chapter 17, your existence here on this earth at this time and at this place has been ordained by God. God has a specific purpose for you for such a time as this. What is God's purpose for your life? Let me read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16a. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and a depraved generation in which, what is God's purpose? That you would shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. May God bless you as you fill the void so that Satan does not have opportunity to come back. That our end would be worse than the first. God has something much better than that. May God bless us. May God help us to be intentional in filling the void in our hearts, giving more and more room, giving more and more of our allegiance to God as he works in our lives. May God bless you to that end. Shall we have a song?